Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the absolutely speechless yet intrigued edition. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Isn't every episode that edition, though? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember the last time we talked about something and I wasn't rendered completely speechless or <laughs> screaming. I'm either speechless or screaming. You know, I mean, like, people's rectums fall out. Yes, they do. On this show. <laughs> yes, that is true. It's an episode. Yeah. Y'all should listen to it. It's super fun. But it, <laughs> it, it there's a lot of speechless moments, yeah. yet very intriguing moments yeah. on this show. So I think we reached a new level. Oh, um, no. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Today is In Betweeny 051, a disorder that makes you hallucinate thousands of dwarves. What? <laughs> And a disease that makes bones disappear. Okay. Um, <laughs> See? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm speechless. But also, this is some Harry Potter AF shit. Yeah. This is some fucking Harry Potter. Yeah. Dark magic. Dark. Voldemort. Yeah, I said it. Shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with the uh, still horrified Marissa Riley. Always. <laughs> Always horrified and loving it. So, uh, if this is your first time, uh, welcome to the flock. Welcome. Uh, Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. <laughs> it's so. true. I don't know if you could hear by the, the shaky screams I've been emitting for the last, you know, 30 seconds, but I really have no idea what we're going to talk about every week and uh, twice a week. Um, I really had no idea about this dwarf thing. <laughs> I couldn't even make that up. And I'm a pretty creative person. And and bones disappear? <laughs> what a nightmare. What a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, I mean, talk about something I'm going to worry about every day from now on. So, uh, should we begin? Yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let, let's begin by heading back in time to another terrible chapter in human history, World War One. Oh, my God. I thought we were going to go back to, like, 2017 or something like that. <laughs> I know. It really could be any year. Yeah. Uh, we're at the Neuropsychiatric Center of the French Second Army of Saint-Désir. Whoa. Mm. And we're... <laughs> It took me like 500 times. You to nailed say that. it. You fucking nailed it <laughs> Thank you. on the first try. It was amazing. Uh, we're watching psychiatrist Raoul Leroy treat those suffering from what we now call PTSD. Okay. Leroy was the head of this center, which means he also taught and instructed up and coming psychiatrists and interns. Oh. Uh, one of those interns being Andre Breton, one of the founders of surrealism. Oh. I know. And I'm pretty sure by the break, you'll agree that the, his five month Internship working with Leroy at this center totally inspired the art movement. I am fascinated by everything you just said. So basically, this guy was an intern at a psychiatric center in France after the First World War. And then he became a prolific artist that started an incredibly scary art movement. (laughs) Yeah. Which is amazing, but it really, really makes you feel and think and have nightmares out the ass. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to summarize that in my own words yeah. and include out the ass. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Somewhere in it. That's, we're all about out the ass here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. In the ass, out the ass, on the, the ass, ass, 
found in the ass. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> no, we're, we're actually not talking about asses today. What? For the first time. That's, I mean, this is I know. <laughs> ending our streak. <laughs> so, um, so let's get back to uh, Leroy. Yes. Uh, so here's what I meant by... This may have inspired the Surrealist movement. Anyway, by the end of the war and into the 1920s, there was an explosive number of case studies, case reports, and even lectures on a disorder Leroy knew very well and even experienced him himself back in 1909. Okay, okay. Now, between this personal experience and having worked with literally hundreds of poor souls who fought in the trenches... The medical world didn't think twice about adopting the name Leroy gave this peculiarity, which we'll get into the details of in a minute. Okay. He called it Lilliputian hallucinations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After the fictional inhabitants of Lilliput in Jonathan Swift's novel Gulliver's Travels. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the name Lilliput. Oh, no. Yes. It's really, but it's it's I, I'm remembering it and yeah. I'm remembering reading Gulliver's Travels, yeah. but the details are fuzzy ah, okay. for me. So let's get into it. What the fuck are these real hallucinations? Dr. Marissa, would you do the honor of reading from our sources to help explain? Absolutely. All right, from IFL Science. Quote Those that suffer from Lilliputian mm-hmm. hallucinations see an array of different characters which roam the world in front of them and sometimes interact with the person. But this is no small gathering. These figures appeared in their thousands, and in some cases, even millions, standing at an average height of just nine inches. These figures could be present for just a few seconds or decades. Quoting, uh, end quote, quoting the study Leroy's Little People, quote, the figures involved tiny men, women, children, gnomes, imps, or, or dwarfs, often strikingly dressed as harlequins, clowns, dancers, soldiers, peasants, mandarins, caftan wearers, and so on. End quote. My mind is blown. <laughs> Jill. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, many questions. What? Why? I... Mostly I, why. <laughs> I'm sort of bummed to say I can't relate to this at all. This has never happened to me. Yeah. And I've had a few mental illnesses from time to time. Yeah. Um, mostly yeah. just panic attacks mm-hmm. about going outside. Yeah. But never thousands or millions of gnomes. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Seeing tiny clowns or being surrounded by dwarves is already horrifying. Uh, but good news, it can become even more so. What? <laughs> the visions stood motionless for only 3% of patients. Okay. Quote, the remaining 97% were, percent were described as performing numerous activities, like jumping, dancing, maneuvering, climbing, marching along in files or squads, or performing acrobatics. Okay. The hallucinated figures were mostly unfamiliar, with 2% reported having recognized family members or other acquaintances. involved Lilliputian autoscopy, which is seeing a miniature version of oneself. Uh, For example, there was one case where the patient recognized a tiny version of himself sitting in a horse-drawn carriage with his equally tiny mother. So there's something going on there. Wow. (laughs) And another case involving a woman who saw herself as a tiny figure, two feet long, 
wrapped in a green bundle on the floor, end quote. Uh, this from the study Leroy's Elusive Little People. Okay, so remember that time I said I was creative. Um, <laughs> I was wrong. I am not creative at all. I've never hallucinated anything this goddamn interesting in my life. And terrifying. I've never seen myself as a uh, tiny elf person in a horse-drawn carriage with my mom. That's just <laughs> never happened to me. I think I'm boring. I don't know. Have you? Has this happened to you? It hasn't. I, and I'm fine with that. I'm, you know, I'm fine with it too. But at the same time, what? Uh, well, put a pin in that study. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we're gonna get back to it, but more about the hallucinations because they're fucking fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes these tiny figures had bicycles, okay. um, <laughs> musical instruments. Uh, and mechanical appliances, all of them in proportion, of course. Uh, this is kind of adorable, I guess. In 28% of cases, there were tiny animal friends like miniature cats, tigers, and hippopotamuses. Uh, I mean, yeah. sometimes when we come on this podcast, I, I can kind of predict where something is going. Like the, <laughs> like, like the person is uh, sick or yeah. uh, the person died from a snake bite or, or um, something. This, yeah. I, it's just, I have no idea. Yeah. I just have no idea. You're speechless, right? I am speechless <laughs> yes. and so entertained and intrigued. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Mercer, would you be so kind as to tell us the reaction of patients when having these hallucinations? Like, what emotions do they experience? Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Quote, reactions to uh, Lilliputian hallucinations were recorded in 73% of cases, with 36% of the patients in this group awarding them positive qualifications. For example, entertaining soothing, amusing, hilarious, 18% neutral, and 46% negative ones. Like frightening, annoying, exhausting, menacing. 6% qualified them as threatening. Yeah. And 8% perceived physical aggression, ranging from electrical shocks to being hit over the head with a club. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 1% reported uh, that they kept chronically awake by the little people they perceived. End quote. And this is from the study. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, a lot of people were okay with this. <laughs> a little bit over a third, but almost half had negative experiences. But yeah. still a third, a third were, were into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's a large, I mean, if I ever saw anything like this, I would call, I would call myself in and call 911. I'd be like, you, you get me now. I just come get me. I, I'm having yeah. a problem and yeah. you, so I need to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's far fetched for me to say these hallucinations. This disorder is batshit bonkers. Interesting. But I've never heard of it, and you probably never did either. And why is that? Yeah, why? <laughs> did it just disappear? Was it a fad? Was it just an old-timey problem thanks to sweet, sweet opium and wormwood addiction? Uh, no, my friends. 
these hallucinations, this dis- this disorder is still kicking around. Oh, my God. And that study we've been quoting proves it. Um, its entire title, Leroy's Elusive People, a systematic review on the Lilliputian hallucinations, released June of this year, reviewed 145 case reports and case series compromising 226 case descriptions. Their dates ranged from 1909 up to 2016. I'm literally scratching my head. She is. She's literally scratching. I, I'm so speechless. I can't even describe it. Tell me more. Okay. Um, the paper theorizes that the disorder lost popularity, if you will, around the 1950s simply because doctors just didn't know how to treat it and, quote, lacked the tools necessary for further progress in this area, end quote. Oh no breakthroughs meant it slipped through the cracks to be overshadowed by new discoveries and what have you. Until... Mm-hmm. <laughs> The late 20th century, when Charles Bonnet syndrome was in nearly every medical journal. Okay. Now, this is a fucking terrible thing. Um, it's when people slowly lose vision from diseases like age-related macular degeneration or glaucoma. Oh, that's horrifying. Yeah. There's literal holes in your sight. Oh, my God. Yeah, and the brain fills those holes by making up images or warping your sight into a thing you can try to identify. Needless to say, what you see around you becomes terrifying creatures or landscapes that is so scary so if there is like a hole in my vision i will fill it with a dragon or something yeah your brain will just like populate something yeah it'll like autofill and no one ever likes autocorrect no it's it's rude Uh, for a long time my phone actually autocorrected gay to fat that's not a joke (laughs) it was really really upsetting for a long time i tried to laugh at it i but i your homophobic iPhone. My homophobic iPhone, y'all. I'm, I'm, I just feel personally attacked. Well, fuck that fucker. Um, I but- still have it. It's a seven. I call it my vintage iPhone. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, back to people's that, that, minds. That's it needs to get woke. It's old. It needs to... Seriously, I'm upgrading to a 12 when I can afford it, y'all. Oh, fuck. So, yeah. That, now, yeah. These are hallucinations caused by diseases, and all of this hallucination talk got researchers interested in Lilliputian hallucination. hallucinations. Let's say it together. Yeah. Lilliputian hallucinations. Awesome. No, uh, it got back into fashion. Uh, folks were wondering what could be their cause and a cure, if any. Uh, enter the author of this massive study, Han Dirk Blum. Han Dirk Blum. There you go. Dr. Marissa, after looking at decades of evidence, what trends did they see? All right, quoting IFL Science, quote, To understand how these hallucinations occurred, Bloom looked at correlations between their presentation and other psychiatric conditions. In 50% of cases, these miniature figures appeared when the patient had schizophrenia spectrum disorder, alcohol use disorder, or loss of vision, while the other 50% had a large array of other potential causes. It is likely that they are directly caused by other neurological conditions, and Bloom suggests treatment should be aimed at the prevailing issue and not the hallucinations themselves. End quote. So basically, this um, is a common byproduct of of a number of things. Exactly. Could be schizophrenia, could be alcohol use disorder. Yep. 
could be a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah, these tiny people can sprout thanks to having an even more devastating pre-existing condition. Yeah. So basically, it's shit icing on a fucked up cake. Got it. Yeah. Once you find out what that cake is, what that disease or other disorder may be, and there's treatment, Bloom noted that these types of hallucinations stopped in 68% of cases. Amazing. That's great fucking news. Yes. The bad news is Lilliputian hallucinations can occur with everything from fevers, tumors, head trauma, drug use, and like 70 other things. I'm not kidding. Oh my God. If you want to see the list created by Bloom, search the title of that study and have a gander. It's free online and it's really one hell of a time. I mean, I will be scanning that list to see if combining Zyrtec and B12 causes it. That's something I mix on a regular basis, y'all. It was a little cocktail for a dwarf. (laughs) It's a cocktail for me to technically feel better, but it might might lead to some hallucinations. (laughs) I doubt it. After the break, we're moving on from eyeballs to bones. Fuck yeah. Bones that disappear. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. Please do. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And we're in Scotland, Oh. and it's 2017. Hey. <laughs> it's here where an otherwise very healthy 44-year-old woman entered the prestigious halls of the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh, complaining of a severe pain in her left arm, specifically the upper arm or humerus bone. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, in normal cases, if this wasn't this episode, I'd be like, oh, what a bummer. Yeah. But here I'm like, oh my God, her head is going to fall off, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. So uh, there she told doctors she wasn't in any accident and didn't experience any injury, but the pain was intense and definitely coming from within. No, not from within. It's <laughs> never good. An x-ray of her left arm was performed, and to the dismay of doctors, a lesion could be seen on the humerus bone, giving her trouble. No. There was a high probability that the mark was cancer. No! A biopsy was performed, and the results came in. You guessed it, the results were inconclusive. Ah! Yeah, so which is kind of good news, because that means it's not cancer, but there's no answer as to what is causing the pain. Anyway, two fucking months pass, and the pain is ever-present. No! And it reaches an unimaginable level, and she returns a second time, hoping more tests can be done revealing what the fuck is going on. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Sure enough, another x-ray was performed and an MRI. Okay. And when you know it, not only was there another lesion, but a fracture. You guys. Yeah. A fracture that the patient couldn't explain. Like, there were no standout events in her life that would break an arm. Like, she could only say maybe she tripped at some point, but nothing alarming enough where she should, she said, like, oh, shit, I, gotta, I better, like, get this checked out. This, this bothers me so much because, like, I, I know it's not, like, said here, but it just makes me think of, like, when just people aren't taken seriously at, yeah. at the doctors and when yeah. they're like, oh, you're probably just depressed, yeah. <laughs> especially women. And I'm like, I hope that didn't happen yeah. here. Cause I think it, I got the vibe that it was like they didn't know what it was. They really. just really yeah, didn't they really know didn't what it know. was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when the second biopsy was done, this time the mass could be identified. Okay. But, it's, but it still left doctors totally stumped. They removed a benign blood vessel tumor, okay. but no signs pointed to how or why it suddenly appeared. Um, hmm. The patient, I know, uh, the patient just left the hospital once more with more questions really than answers. Amazing. Yeah. Twelve. Twelve agonizing months later. What? 
Yeah. She dealt with this alone for 12 months. No. The patient returns with the same symptoms, but this time with swelling. No. Yeah, not good. No. Yeah. According to the report published in the March 2018 edition of BMJ Case Reports, quote, radiographs demonstrated a second pathological fracture of the left proximal humerus and contrasting MRI scans with angiograms showed a more extensive vascular lesion, end quote. In other words, more of the same and a little worse. Um, Great. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, I'm so, I'm just so angry for her, yeah. you know? Yeah. For you see the biopsy, <clears throat> excuse me, a biopsy of that new lesion revealed a dense collection of freshly made blood vessels and lymphatic vessels. It's not cancer, but just a wad of vessels where the bone should be. What the fuck? Yeah. And that x-ray, it showed not only another fracture, but... Well, you know what? Instead of me just talking, Dr. Marissa, uh, I'd like to show you a side-by-side comparison of the patient's arm in 2017 versus 2018. And, um, of course, all of the photos and x-rays and such that we talk about today will be on our social medias. So come on by. Come on by. But in the meantime, Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us the differences you see in these two x-rays below? Okay. So... 2017, I see essentially um, the part of the body Jill talked about. I can see the top, I can see the shoulder, Mm -hmm. and then I can see about all the way down to her elbow, and I can see that bone there. Yeah. And I don't know much about bodies, but it looks pretty normal. Yeah. 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 That's right. Um, the second one looks n- not as good as the first one. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The bone looks kind of small and yeah. uh, uh, it's got like a, not a chunk taken out of it, but yeah. it's just a lot uh, more dissipated yeah. and like almost more transparent the other one had these beautiful strong lines and these lines are just kind of it looks a little wilted yeah and um and, and it looks bad yeah. yeah i'm not gonna lie girl it looks bad yeah that's a great description it looks totally faded like like you said almost transparent yeah it's fucking crazy yeah it looks yeah. like someone took a nail file and just kind of like scrubbed at the bone for go. too long yeah everyone think of that yeah, yeah everyone just think about that <laughs> while you're getting into bed tonight about a nail file on a bone <laughs> good times uh yeah it's faded and that means bone reabsorption now alarmed by this doctors hauled ass performing a ct scan of her chest abdomen and pelvis and thankfully everything else was totally normal this bizarre incident was centralized to her left arm okay now that's the good news oh no (laughs) the bad news uh is that doctors were beginning to believe this may be a case of gorham stout disease oh or vanishing bone disease oh no (laughs) And Dr. Marissa, would you do the honor of telling us what the fuck that is exactly? Yes, of course. Okay, according to Live Science, uh, quote, people with this condition experience abnormal growth of blood vessels and lymphatic vessels, the channels that carry lymph, the fluid uh, that contains infection-fighting white blood cells. These aggressively growing vessels infiltrate the bone which causes it to break down fibrous connective tissue or benign non-cancerous blood vessel tumors then replace the bone 
end quote. Okay, so it sounds like these vessels yeah. are growing super fast mm-hmm. and sort of taking over the bones yeah. space and replacing the bone. These tumors are like, yeah, I'm the bone now. Yep, you got it. That's like, I'm t- the bone now, bitch. Yeah. Why? It- Why? Yeah, that's a great question. Jill. Yeah, uh, bone is broken down, reabsorbed by the body, and replaced by a network of blood and lymph vessels. This is like a civil war in your body. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Now, remember that Sleeping Beauty syndrome we how, talked about in the I previous forget? It's episode? all I've thought about. I couldn't even let you finish the sentence. <laughs> I, that's all I've thought about this week. Yeah. So we totally thought that was rare. Turns out, Gorham Stout disease has it beat by a mile. Only 64 cases have been reported in all of medical liter- literature. Oh, my God. Eight of which have involved the humerus. Um, uh, friendly friendly reminder, only about 300 people in recorded literature, medical literature, had Sleeping Beauty Yeah, it was, yeah, it was around 500, yeah. 500, yeah. sorry, 500. Something like that. Um, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Other affected bones have included and can include uh, the ribs, no. pelvis. no collarbone and jaw no there were even cases where the skull and spine were affected and that's just fucking awful as fuck horrifying because that could lead to paralysis or even death uh good news because gsd is so rare there's no cure either great um but doctors do have the glory that is modern medicine and it's a vast, you know, there's like a vast array of options to slow or stop the progression. Got it. Um, according to the National Institute of Health's Genetic and Rare Diseases Information Center, some therapies include surgery to remove the affected bone areas, radiation to prevent the disease from spreading, and biphosphonates, uh, which are drugs that prevent bone loss. Oh, okay. So they can't cure it, but they can sort of treat, treat it yeah. a little bit. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. As to how and why it even starts, you guessed it. The exact cause of GSD is unknown. Of course! According to rarediseases.org, quote, no environmental, immunological, or genetic risk factors have been identified. Fine. Most, ra- most cases occur randomly for no reason. Good to know. End could quote. happen to you. So. <laughs> you could be one of the lucky, uh, you could be the 65th That's person. Right. Lucky number 65. It could happen to me right now. <laughs> so... Sometimes, just as mysteriously as it starts, the disease improves spontaneously. Love it. Without treatment, says the Genetic and Rare Diseases Information Center. Now, if you're wondering what happened to our patient, well, Dr. Marissa, I'd like to show you her arm at 15 months and at 18 months after identifying her condition. Oh, no. Okay. Um, This is 15 on the left and 18 months on the right. Okay. 15 months looks real bad. 15 months looks terrible. The first picture you saw, it was like these, the bone was represented by these sort of, to very simply put it, thick lines, thick white lines. And here, um, these lines are thin. The bone looks almost transparent. It, It looks like it's kind of like awkwardly faded in different areas, patchy. Um, and then uh, at 18 months, it just is withered. It it's yeah. it looks broken. It looks um, it, there's just these sort of faded holes in it. Yeah. It's really awful. Yeah, there are some areas that are a little denser than the 
than the um, x-ray at 15 months. And I don't know if that's new bone growth or if that's just an accumulation of vessels instead. I'm not that's really right. sure. I can see it towards the towards the elbow. Yeah. Sorry to touch your computer. Towards the <laughs> elbow, it does look a lot thicker. So yeah. that's very interesting. So uh, the case study didn't mention uh, what her treatment option was. Um, I really don't know how she's doing. I don't know if it stopped. I don't know if she had a... I don't know if she lost the arm. I have no idea. So to end on a high note, there's actually super good news on the horizon for people who may have this disease or bone cancer in general. Um, After removal of some or all of a diseased bone, one day soon, doctors will be able to 3D print material that could replace the missing area. Thus, no need to amputate full limbs. That is so fucking cool. It's so fucking cool. That's so fucking cool. I am... I... I love the cool things people are doing with yeah. 3D printing. So to explain it all, uh, I'm just going to show a video clip from 9news.com.au. Nine, nine um, please enjoy their wonderful accents and uh, this really inspirational story about, you know, the future of fucking bones. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I love a bone future. That sounds weird. I'm sorry. Here we go. Every step Louise Wheeler takes is a small victory over cancer. Five years ago, she was diagnosed with a sarcoma, a rare tumour in her left shin. During prolonged treatment, including chemotherapy and surgery, she lost her knee joint and part of her tibia bone. The doctors saved her leg. In that respect, I'm just, I just think I'm really lucky. Surgery sometimes has to be as aggressive as amputating the limb. Now, top medical and manufacturing minds are combining in a $12 million project to save the limbs and joints of cancer patients. Surgical robots will be used to precisely cut tumours out of affected bone. Simultaneously, a 3D printer will build a custom-fit implant to perfectly fill the space left by uh, the removed diseased bone. Pause. Yeah. Okay, so y'all should definitely watch this video. It is fucking fascinating. Basically, what they just showed was when someone gets bone cancer, you have to remove part of someone's bone, which obviously can just... You know, that might be the end of that limb for that person. But it's so cool because they showed that the section of a bone um, that had to be removed was immediately recreated uh, perfectly with a 3D printer. And then they just pop it back in. Pop it right in. How fucking cool is that? So cool. This is amazing. Okay, incredible. You can keep playing. I was just amazed by that. So incredible. Be able to print uh, the implant while the patient is on the operating table. So in that one sitting, we are able to actually develop a solution for the patient so they don't have to come back multiple times. Researchers wow. are still trying to work out the best metal composition to use in the implants to ensure that the remaining bone and tissue adapts and fuses to the artificial body part. RMIT University, St. Vincent's Hospital and global medical company Stryker hope the technology is fully operational in five years. Amazing. At the end of the day, we're looking to produce better function and better outcomes for the patients, and that should lead to better quality of life. In the meantime, this survivor and devoted mum urges the community to get behind Socket to Sarcoma, a support group raising awareness of bone cancer. The more people know about it, the more money we can put into you know, finding a cure and hopefully other people having the amazing outcome that I was lucky enough to have. Emily Rice, Nine News. Amazing. So in case you didn't catch that, uh, whoop, yeah. <laughs> uh, in case you didn't catch that, because uh, I didn't realize it at first, 
while the person is on the operating table, they're using that 3D printer to make that piece. Yeah, at the same time. At the exact same time they're taking it out. Um, so they can do it all mm-hmm. at one time, which is like, if you've ever been put under, it is exhausting. It's horrifying. Surgery surgery is so, yeah. it's dangerous no matter how safe it is. It's yeah. still so hard on your body. So that's incredible. And it sounds like they're working on better materials so that mm-hmm. the what's left of your bone and that new material can be best friends. That's right. So I, I am obsessed with this. I think this is amazing. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, I wanted to end on a high note, and that's pretty fucking amazing. That was back in 2018, so it's probably around the corner. <gasps> oh, shit! Yeah. Oh, my gosh! Okay, that's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, and thank you for listening, subscribing, telling your friends about... Th- 3D printed bones. Fuck, Fuck yeah. Fuck, Fuck yeah. yeah. If you have any experience, if you have a 3D printed bone inside of your body right now, yeah. write into us and tell us how that fucking went. Yeah. I am so, I would be so thrilled to hear about someone's experience with yeah. that. Or 3D, 3D printing any organs, vessels. They're 3D printing all sorts of shit. So please write in. Let us know. We want to, we want to read it to the flock. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And what else? Tell your friends about the dwarves. That's fun. Oh, yeah. I almost <laughs> forgot about the dwarves. I was so into the bone stuff. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, also, if, you, if, if you're if you seeing dwarves and, and <laughs> that is something that has been a part of your life, write into us. I would love to hear a story about that as well. Exactly. And we will, yeah, give you a lot of support. There you go. And please, stay interesting. Oh, please do.